You are listening to the show that's reinventing the podcast game. It's time for the Maddie Faz Podcast. And now, here's the man who's been so, so deaf since the AOL Instant Messenger days. From the home of Pretty Fuzzy Productions at the Jersey Shore, the one and only Maddie Faz. That's right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Maddie Faz Podcast, live, coming to you from Pretty Fuzzy Productions here at Jersey Shore. And uh, while we're waiting to build the uh, the new studio, which I promise is in the works, I'll, I'll go into it a little bit uh, later on during the show. But uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, I told you we're still in purgatory now in the minute for for a minute. So you know, just gotta yeah. You know, if, if you want to hear me, you got to hear me from purgatory. So. You know, I've, I've uh, you know, Purgatory is a very fun, creative place. So if you've never been there before, it, it uh, really, really fun and uh, open. And uh, it's, a, it's a great place to just really buy, bear down and, uh, yeah, just come up with a podcast. So that's what we're recording at the moment and while we uh, finish construction on the soon-to-be-named uh, room upstairs. And uh, I don't know, i got to kind of go a whole new... Uh, you know, I, I, got, I got. I need a whole new dynamic. I had the foxhole, which was perfect. It was an, un, you know, it was a basement room, and it, it just made sense. It was perfect, uh, and uh, had the decor down the whole the whole nine. And this room is going to be on a third level, and uh, you know, it should be a really really cool room. However, it's just it's airborne, and I don't know. I gotta just. I'm. I'm that's just in the works right now. I, I I haven't you know given it my full attention yet, and you know that's like one of those things. I think I have to just like have a few beers and just like brainstorm and throw it out to a few people I know who are funny, and you know we'll go from there. So I will keep everybody posting on that for the time being. Though we have Purgatory set up, and actually Purgatory has my old desk from uh, my old radio station, which is pretty cool to be recording here. So this, actually this will be the first show uh, I've I've done on it. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, a uh, you know an important night for uh, for, for for sports fans. <laughs> Most uh, you know it's funny. <laughs> Even like casual sports fans really didn't give a you know rat's ass about what what went on tonight. But NFL draft is you know one of my favorite days of the year personally, and a few other people I know really get into it. So uh, a few of us went out for it, and you know it was a it was a big day for the Giants. I mean. Last year, the season went off the rails, variety of reasons, and uh, you know they've done a good job, kind of getting things back, all their ducks in a row. And yeah, you know they're one of those rare teams where, look, I don't know if they're a Super Bowl team, but they're also not you know, a team needed that you know, a team that needs to blow up the whole thing. They still have a lot of talent on on both sides of the ball, and they made some uh, good free agent signings and drafting at the top, you know, top top of the draft in each round. Uh, they, they draft number two in each of those rounds. Uh, you know they have a, have an opportunity to to bring home some uh, you know some big time players and you know hopefully some starters and, and you know or, or at the very least some quality depth players. So uh, I was hell bent on getting Saquon Barkley, the running back from uh, Penn State. I just think he's a one in ten year athlete. Uh, you know uh, you know coming out of the draft, especially as a running back, which 
yeah, you know, you can get good running backs later, but I just think he has that it ability and just that next gear. And I just think, you know, between the weapons the Giants have already, and then you add him in, you know, and he apparently checks all the boxes between physical attributes, mental attributes. I mean, he's just sick. I mean, he, he's amazing. And, you know, if you want to help a quarterback like Eli Manning, who's a little bit older, hasn't had a running game in years, uh, you know, now you are, you, you know, you bulked up the offensive line. You got him a running back who can play all over the field, you know, and, you know, be reliable with the ball. Got that. You still have Odell Beckham. You still have Sterling Shepard. You still have Evan Ingram. I mean, it, the offense has very much become pick your poison. And, um, that was really what I was hoping to get out of that pick. I mean, I just, again, if they were going to keep Eli and it all well, indications worthy that they're going to, I just didn't want a, the distraction of a, you know, a young quarterback coming in. And then if say the Giants started out 0-2 and just having to have this whole season then turn into, Oh, when, when's the kid going to play? When's the kid? Like, I, I'm not ready for that yet. I think last year was just dysfunctional, but, I am uh, I'm willing to give Eli the benefit of the doubt on uh, on one more year, and uh, you know we'll uh, I mean we'll see as the draft goes on if they try to I mean a lot of quarterbacks were taken in the first round, but uh, it'll remain to be seen if uh, if the Giants take anybody later on, um, and if you recall they have Davis Webb who they drafted in the third round last year he spent all of last year like a redshirt year but has been working out in the facility, basically following Eli around, and everybody seems to love him, and uh, I don't know. I mean, he may get a chance at some point, and, you know, uh, the Giants evaluate it from there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the way the Giants, the types of moves they were making between signing a left tackle, signing a veteran running back like John Jonathan Stewart, it just didn't feel to me like they were, like, you know, just packing this thing up and just, you know, realizing, like, oh, you know, we have no chance. Like, they're going for it. I mean, the defense is very much still intact from, you know, the you know two years ago when they were great last year, hit some bumps in the road. Last year, the offense, I mean, half of the receiving core got hurt, I think, in the same game. So, you know, you just have a lot more weapons, and now you add Barkley in the mix. I mean, it's it makes Eli's job a lot easier, so I'll tell you that much. So, um I'm just very happy. He was the guy, and you know, this doesn't always work out for me. Virtually never, but I look. I follow the Giants like as closely as I follow any of my family, probably. But uh, I don't know. I just looked at it. It just seemed like it made the most sense. And and the guy, it just you'd want to you want to combine all those things. You 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 know you want to pick the best player available, and if he can fit into a te- a position that you need, even better. You know, you don't want to shoehorn a player in there just because you need a player and you don't want to go to, oh, he's the best available player at this position. We need, like, you try not to get into that. You you want to try to take amongst the best players, you know, and that could be the best player on the board, top two, three, four players, and then, you know, see what the position breakdowns are and go like that. I mean, everybody has their own little system, but um, you don't want to try to, you know, force players just because there's a need at a position. It's that's where you get burned in, in, in the NFL draft. Um, but you know, Barkley, God bless him. I mean, the kid seems to have everything going for him. And, uh, I, I also think he'll be a good, uh, good influence on, uh, on, on Odell. I mean, you know, it'll draw attention away from Odell in a good way in terms of coverages and, 
you know, just having to pick your poison. And, um, you know, he has the, you know, he genuinely cares as much about the game like Odell does, but he doesn't do a lot of the silly stuff and throwing stuff and the dancing. So I'm hoping that, you know, they can, you know, kind of become close and, you know, everybody get on the same page. But, you know, because Odell, this is a big year for him, and I'm glad he showed up at the voluntary workouts. He doesn't always, especially, you know, uh, they picked up his option, but you know, of course, he wants more money. And look, before he got hurt last year, I mean, he's he was worth crazy money. He's worth amongst the top receivers in the league. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I would never try to sit here and pretend he's not. I mean, his production is is outrageous, and that's without a running game. That's with you know, you know, the kind of uh, predictable offense, and you know, so we'll we'll, we'll see how, how how they do in uh, year one of Pat Shermer's offense, but. Uh, you know, I just uh, have good vibes. I have very, very good vibes, and I, and I think uh, Barkley will be very good for Odell, and and certainly uh, very good for uh, Eli Manning. And you know, again, when you combine it with Evan Ingram, with the attention he was getting over towards the end of the year, Sterling Shepard going over the middle. I mean, y- you can only cover so many guys. So if the Giants' blocking holds up, man, pff, sky's the limit for that offense. I, I, I truly believe that. I, I really, really, really do believe that. So, uh, you know, it was nice having that pick and finally having it work out. And, um, you know, I was scared about the quarterback thing. I just I didn't think it was necessary right this second. Uh, you know, I, I feel like they can, you know, I, I feel like they can be creative. And, and, and hey, if Eli plays as well, maybe he's got another year and push it off again. So, and they might not, and they might like David Davis Webb. So, it, uh, it really remains to be seen. So, anyways, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed their uh, their wonderful, wonderful weekend and uh, uh, from last week and uh, <laughs> the week so far. I don't know, I'm thinking it's the weekend. Uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, you know what? I'll be honest, and I know I've said this before. I mean, this freaking news cycle—it's just—it's out of control, man. Like the. Like I blink, you know, I, I don't know. I, I sit there and I feel like I'm, I look at 50 different stories and different things and court cases and all the stuff. And it's like you blink and it's just next day. Like, you know, after a while, it's like you just churning through days. And I mean, Christ. Well, it, you know, but I guess along the same vein, I, 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 you know, as much as I'm losing my mind, I mean, uh, Donald Trump really, really lost it today. Uh, I don't know if anybody was able to hear. I was just waking up as this was going on, but so apparently, uh, you know, he yes, he does watch uh, Fox and Friends every morning. Which God bless him. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I just. I just don't know how he does it. Um, and on top of that, you know, I, I think he's got more than one television, so he'll, he'll like flu, you know flip around to Morning Joe, which was always his kind of mainstay. And uh, the uh, and Chris Cuomo on CNN in the morning, so he'll flip around and depending on what interviews are on, what they're, I mean, they're always talking about him. So that's one thing. God, it's no matter how this turns out, we need to just stop having the you know the word Trump and him being involved in everything. Have it. We need to not make it normalized because I don't know how to make it stop. But it's it is. It's just way way too normalized. So, um, yeah, Trump, uh, he, uh, he called up Fox and friends, his favorite show. So he calls up and, you know, so they start out, they're all giddy. It looked like a, like a Saturday night live skit. 
they're all like like just like you know, like have these game show like smiles on and he starts talking and they throw him some you know some softballs and you know about uh they're talking about Melania's birthday, and John, uh, Trump was saying how he's, you know, yeah, I got her a card and beautiful flowers, but I didn't really, I haven't had time to go do anything else, which is just the biggest bullshit on the planet. I mean, if you've paid attention, I, it's funny, I've been reading, uh, there's a few um, outlets that keep tabs on the uh, the president's schedule and things like that. I mean, he's he's working in more and more "quote unquote" executive time, which all that means is he goes and watches the uh, TV that's connected to another room from the uh, from the Oval Office, <laughs> and then by evening he's back up in his quarters and he has like his super uh, DVR or, or TiVo and just tapes everything involving him. I mean, so he's really doing nothing. I mean, you know, so if there actually was one thing he could do, it would have been fantastic. He definitely could have gone and gotten Melania a present. That would be great. Like, and I'm sure the White House would have loved to have him out for a little bit. Uh, you know, like, when he said that, I was like, first of all, I was like, yes, you can. You, you kill more time than anything. All you do is just, like, you snack all day, and, and then you watch TV, and then you do those few, like like, photo sprays where you... You know, he'll have everybody come into his his cabinet room, and it's like almost like The Apprentice, but no firings right that second. But all those guys, you know, they 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 just grovel over each other to talk about how great Trump is, and he vents about some things for the day. And you know, I, I mean, but on this Fox interview though, and, and look, I've heard him do a lot of things. He hasn't, he has not held a lot of uh, availabilities in terms of just like an open ended interview so of course he was going to go to a place like fox you know and get some softballs there and 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 not have to uh you know not have to face any uh stressful questions although he got himself all stressed up but <laughs> what trump did was he uh he just started launching into all of these different attacks and just went completely bonkers uh, let's see. These are some of yeah. Th- there you go. These are some quotes from his. Uh, let's see. So uh, I told you about the Melania, Melania Trump one. So Ronnie Jackson, who I don't know if you, if you recall, uh, Admiral Admiral uh, and Doctor Ronnie Jackson. Uh, he was the uh, he's the personal doctor for Donald Trump, also for Obama, and also for George W. Bush. And he came out uh, to give the results of Trump's physical and just, you know, taking different uh, levels and uh, uh, physical checkup. And, I mean, the tr- it turned into a joke because, I mean, he was basically giving these, like, like boisterous Trump-type answers for this whole thing. And it was just funny. You know, it was like, you know, he like just saying, yeah, maybe he'll live for 200 years old. It's just all things that, you know, Trump would want to hear. And here's this admiral just doing it. It was very bizarre. You know, it was amusing, but yeah, but definitely bizarre. And I hadn't seen anything from from Dr. Jackson until then. And then all of a sudden. Trump fired uh, the head of the the, uh, veterans uh, uh, Veterans Administration, 
and uh, VA hospital. And so, uh, who was that? Shulkin. And that's left a void. And then Trump immediately comes out with, yeah, you know, why don't we have my doctor, Dr. Jackson? And immediately everybody was like, look, you know, like, I don't know, he's a good doctor, but the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the services that, that go to the veterans, um, you know, that bureaucracy is the second largest in Washington and all of government. And like, again, maybe nobody would be fully prepared to work for it, but I mean, they, I mean, basically they were saying that, you know, Dr. Jackson's credentials, while good, you know, just maybe didn't add up with this particular job. I mean, that's a big organization to oversee, you know, especially when you've only overseen a few doctors. I mean, uh, to me, that sounds very reasonable and, and no disrespect to him, but like it just, I don't know, it doesn't sound like the guy. And it, the White House decided to do no vetting and we're just going to throw him out there onto uh, a committee hearing this this week. Sure enough, whistleblowers come out and uh, the whistleblowers come out and basically say, I mean, and you're talking now, 23 people. I mean, if you get tw- 23 people coming forward uh, for a situation like this, especially when the guy was probably not the best equipped to handle that job, um, you had 23 people come up corroborating the same stories about him on, especially on uh, overseas trips. They said he'd get drunk, uh, so, uh, oftentimes so passed out that, you know, he wasn't, he wouldn't be, have been ready if God forbid anything happened to the president. Um, he was passing, you know, I guess uh, there's a tradition on those flights on Air Force One, you know, they give you a little baggie of, of, of uh, medicine. And if you're, especially if you're traveling multiple time zones, help try to help you do sleep and everything. So whatever it is, uh, Ambien and stuff like that. So he would go around and hand pills out like that, and then apparently he was handing out different things like Percocets and and things of that nature, and it led to the point where his nickname became the Candy Man because he'd give out pills like candy. So <laughs> I, I I don't know, and uh, yeah. So I mean, so now it went from you know Trump liked this doctor, they were in a good spot, and Trump because he liked them. Try you know just to, says oh yeah I'll put you up for uh, secretary of, of uh, you know of the VA, um, and uh, you know it was almost like no due diligence was done like nothing like literally nothing and they hung him out hung this guy out to try, um, you know so I uh, yeah it's it was it's it's a shame you know I mean I, look I don't think he's a mean spirited guy and. and I don't want this to be the end of his career, but now, like again, like you, instead of just staying in his job as he was, it was just like now it turned into you know that he crashed a car, a, a, a government car, and can be a you know abrasive at work and all these things, and it was just like man, like, like, and now so then, like, um, they were you know he was still saying he was gonna fight through it, and he didn't, and Trump. That I guess that was part of the reason why today, uh, even though Trump yesterday said I wouldn't do it if I were him, 
whatever. So I guess this guy, he still wanted to do it. Trump, I guess, talked him out of it, and uh, Jackson formally withdrew this morning. Not too long after was when Trump called Fox and Friends, and like I said, I mean, he just went crazy. Like, it's funny, because I had been listening to the thing from Jim, Jim Comey, and say what you want about him, but you know what? Look, I, I think he made some bad judgments in the midst of some, you know, in his toughest judgments. But I still trust the guy. I, I don't think he's a liar. I don't. I really don't. I don't. I do not believe he's a liar. And I, I, I you know, I think he's telling the truth. You know, with the you know the, the type of things he's writing about. Um. And uh, you know, I happen to agree with him on a lot. Some things I could do away with. But there are a lot of things I, I, I actually do agree with him a lot on so far. And I haven't read all the books, so I'll maintain that. But, um, yeah, yeah, Trump just, you know, he so he started, he went, you know, on a tirade about uh, Ronnie Jackson and then about James Comey. He's calling him a leaker liar. He, he said he didn't write those memos accurately. Um Continue to address his trip to, to Russia and Moscow, which has been under contention. Trump had always claimed that he never slept over. Now new information is saying that he did. Trump yesterday said, I went to Russia for a day or so, so for a day or two, because I owned the Miss Universe pageant. So I went there to watch it because it was near Moscow. So I go there to, to Russia. No, I didn't go there. Everybody knows the logs are there. The planes are there. And everybody... Uh, and he said, I didn't stay there at night. Of course I stayed there at night. Of course I stayed there. I stayed there a very short period of time, but of course I stayed there. Well, his memos, I left immediately. Oh, well, his memo said I left immediately. I never said that. But, I mean, Trump's whole thing has been that he did not sleep over. <laughs> that was one of his... That was one of his ways to uh, avoid the... Uh, the the golden showers thing on the oh my god that was one of his ways to avoid the uh, the golden showers thing on uh, on this so I mean I have no idea how to I have no idea how to uh, you know what to even believe anymore? Actually, I do. But I um, then he went on to a thing about the YouTube stars, Diamond and Silk. I don't know why. He said they're very amazing. Then about Michael Cohen. See, and then this is the part where it started getting a little weird, be- and and he started going off the rails because he opened Michael Cohen and himself up to more scrutiny. Every time he opens his mouth about this case, it's remarkable. And he goes, uh, he goes. He praises attorney as a good person, but also seemed to distance himself in the wake of a federal probe. He's really a businessman, fairly, fairly big business, as I understand it. And I don't know his business, uh, but this doesn't have to do with me. Michael's a businessman. He's got a business. He also practices law. I would say probably the big business is his business. They're looking at something to do with his business. I have nothing to do with his business. Trump also noted that while Cohen is representing him through this crazy Stormy Daniels deal, that attorney only handles a tiny, tiny fraction of his legal work. 
So he did admit finally, after not admitting, about the Stormy Daniels thing. I, I don't think he meant to do that. Then he, uh, Kanye West has been a little off the walls this week, and um, they, uh, they, him and him and Trump have been tweeting at each other for some god on reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, then they talked about uh, North Korea. It was very, very nasty with Little Rocket Man and the buttons. My buttons are bigger than, and everyone goes, this guy is going to get us into a nuclear war, Trump said. Let me tell you, the nuclear war would have happened if we had weak people, weak people. This should have happened long before I came into office. This is a much different ball game if they did it 10, 20 years ago. He wrapped up his rant by touting a meeting between Kim Jong-un and director of the CIA, Mike Pompeo, as well as a future meeting of his own. He concluded his administration is doing very well with North Korea. So, you know what? Hey, he has a very big opportunity there. All kidding aside, he does have his opportunity there to really, really leave a mark on his presidency and, you know, earn a ton of political capital if he can pull that off. So I'm very curious to see how that'll work out because, I mean... You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he has a way to speak to these fellow authoritarian strongmen, but uh, I don't know. I just, I don't trust North Korea, but who knows? I I really, uh, you know, this is the closest I remember in a while. Um, oh, him talking about CNN. Uh, Trump regularly looked t- took aim at fake news with CNN specifically during his hour. Uh, Trump, Trump claiming, I don't watch them at all. I watched I watched leaking, lying James Comey last night, and I did, and I hated to do that. <laughs> so you do watch it. Trump added he's too far busy with all the coverage on him, though he said he, he did try in the past. Get the hell out of here. He doesn't do anything all day. Come on. That's all he does. Uh, and then, of course, being boastful. The president also took time to boast of his success in the White House saying nobody has done what I've been able to do, despite the fact that I have a phony cloud over my head that doesn't exist. When asked how he would grade himself, Trump responded, I would give myself an A+. <laughs> so much for modesty. I mean, you know, and then in the, in the midst of this, he started screaming about taking his Justice Department back and railing into, I mean, he talked for a half hour straight. And usually Fox News, which is like their cheerleader section, the three of them, you know, since he was on the phone, not in person or no video, they had this look on their face, and I suggest you look it up, like just defeated. Like they didn't know what to do. I mean, it got to a point where, you know, he was on for a half hour and just railing about Lord knows what. And they were just had that look on their face like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, Mr. President. Like they, they were like yanging him off the phone. They're like, all right, Mr. President, uh, you know, you probably have a lot to do right now. You're still going, but I mean, whoops. Um,
All right, sorry about that. Jesus. Just knocked over papers all over the place. <laughs> my uh, my nephews would have loved if they were uh, in here for that. Um, actually, you know what? I, I've been meaning to put this on, and uh, I've actually it's, I've recorded like two or three different episodes, and I was going to put this in here, and I decided to scrap the episodes because I, I was just kind of kind of getting my feet wet with everything, um, and just kind of getting back in the flow, but. As I mentioned, uh, we're s- pretty soon starting um, the third floor up here, and it's going to be a stu- fully functional studio and you know office and good things like that. And um, uh, you know, in those situations, I don't know. I-, I tinker around with different ideas if I should change the name of my show and whatnot. So. I've, I've, uh, you know, I was messing around with my nephews and I'm like, should I call it? one, one set of nephews calls me uncle Matt. The other set calls me uncle meat, which I thought would be an awesome podcast show still in the works. So nobody take it. But, uh, you know, I, I was just messing around my, my nephews, Tyler and Lila. And I have a shirt. This is, I have a few of them. They, they say like Funklesaurus, Matt and like, like fun uncle. Just stupid, and they and I'm like, oh, you guys didn't have to get me this shirt. Like, you know, this is really sweet of you guys. Thank you. They're like, we did not get you this shirt, Uncle Matt. So they wanted to record something, and so I said, we'll we'll do something. You guys can yell at me for the shirt, and then we'll try to come up with an idea. So uh, they love doing the podcast. So uh, as we have more room, and you know, outside of purgatory here, uh, I'll get I'll get the little guys on a little bit more, but. Uh, I did want to throw them in this one thing because it's really, really funny. So this was uh, uh, my discussion like two, three weeks ago with uh, my nephew Tyler and my niece uh, Lila about uh, possible names uh, for the Maddie Fast podcast and all off of that joke that I about my Funkel Matt shirt. So here you go. I'm Tyler. I'm really stressed out right now, and I'm just annoyed. I, I'm trying to come up with a new name for a podcast, and I just can't come up with it. Should I keep it as the Maddie Faz podcast? No, you should call it the Uncle Matt podcast. I don't want to call it the Uncle Matt podcast. What? Really? I, you, you like Uncle Matt podcast? Lila, what do you think? I agree with Tyler. Of course, you guys agree. Uh, the Uncle Matt. Really? You guys like the Uncle Matt podcast? Yes. Tyler? Yes. What about the Funklesaurus Matt podcast? No. Come on. I'm, I'm a Funk, I'm Funklesaurus Matt. I know you're you not. You did get me that shirt. You did get, I'm, I'm going to call it the Funklesaurus Matt podcast. No. You did get it for me. No, we did it. You got it for, all right. That's the, it's settled. Funklesaurus Matt podcast. No. All right. Well, and I hope you, uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. So, uh, yeah, no, that's, I'm trying to incorporate them in, you know, again, without making it too overkill or, you know, I don't want to overexpose them to any of this stuff. Or if I do a topic that, you know, maybe they shouldn't be a part of a show on, but something like this, we we, we can roll with this. So, uh, you know, (laughs) 
It's gonna be tricky. We'll see. I, I they have very very strong opinions, so we'll we'll see what I'm allowed to do. But I don't know. I'll probably keep it the same for a bit, and you know, we'll, we'll mess around. But there will be more programming, I promise you, and more collaborations. Like when I had Foxhole going, and that's I, I just kind of shut those down just be just because of logistics at the moment. Just uh, you know, I just want to have the full thing kind of hooked up and going, and you know the. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening. I, like, I, I promise that. Um, uh, another, uh, you know, major uh, event today. I mean, it's very sad, you know, disturbing probably. Uh, was uh, Bill Cosby, you know, after <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I, like I remember covering these stories, you know, before, like four trials, and it was like. It's like 30 women have now, you know, outed him, 40, 50. And it's like, after a while, it's like, all right, you have 40, 50 women. All of them are telling the same exact story. Like, and like, at some point, it's like, you know, like something's up here. Like, you know, and if they're not even asking for like money or anything like that, I mean, something's up. And, you know, and it's weird. It reminded me almost of, and this is not to knock Joe Paterno or anything like that or Sandusky, but, like, it was, you know, I remember, like, you know, when the Sandusky thing went, you know, haywire, you know, Paterno's health really went south very quickly. And as I watch uh, Bill Cosby throughout this process, you know, it's like sometimes he seems totally fine. Sometimes he's walking with a stick, but he's not like using it to like hold himself up. Then like no, when cameras are right on him, then he's doing all those things, you know. But then he snapped today in in, in court after the the things were read, like, yelled at at one of the um, prosecutors. So like, I, I, again, I just feel like you know a little bit of the routine he's got going on you know look he's i'm sure he's getting older and maybe his eyes are going a little bit but i feel like he's knows what's going on and i feel like he's uh he's hamming it up a little bit but i mean regardless i mean uh they're going to have to you know he says he's going to appeal and uh, he, you know, he can face 10 concurrent, uh, sentences. So, you know, that would be the max, um, or, you know, they'll see what, you know, we'll see what they do to him. I mean, 10 years, that could be life pretty much at 80 years old. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, he's he, considering how he lived so sneaky and, you know, did all these underhanded, horrible things. Like, I just feel like if the appeal isn't going well or something, you know, and he starts over, and I don't know. I, I just, I I could just see him, I could see him taking his own life before he went to jail and let, you know, let let it get to that point. <clears throat> I just don't see it. I, I, I like I, I will say I mean you know I I would hope for the you know for, for the women involved that you know that there is justice and that he does have to go you know go to a place like Jerry Sandusky did go go to you know he does I don't care who he is um, you know the amount of people that he's done this to over so many years to, and, and you know and using his power to not you know have people come out I mean it's remarkable but it's like can't 
act like that forever. Like it's, uh, it's really, you know, really, really something, but I, uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see if he, uh, what kind of jail time he gets, you know, it'll be interesting too, especially versus Meek Mill, you know, Meek Mill just got out, uh, again, most of Meek Mill's, uh, you know, just the, the drama around it was partly, you know, because he got in, in locked into probation and was getting in trouble for the slightest little things. And, uh, the judge was obsessed with him. That judge is, I mean, like she needs to be disbarred. Like once her whole story comes out after this case, I mean, I've never heard anything like this. I mean, when he was dating Nicki Minaj, you had this this judge. She pulls him and Nicki Minaj into like her, her private area, and she said, "You know, you you guys should do a duet of On Bended Knee by Boys to Men, and uh, dedicate it to me. And you know, and you see if you throw my name in the song somewhere. Like, what? Really? This is what the judge is doing?" And Meek Mill's like, uh, sorry, ma'am, that's not really the type of music I do. And, like, these are the things you, like, she was obsessed with him. And and there's a few different, like, theories out there. Like, that, A, she's just obsessed with him, like, has a thing for him. And, you know, uh, you know, can't stand seeing him go on to fame, you know, while she has control of him. So, you know, quote, unquote, in her court. And, um. I mean, she was going to make him wait till June for a new trial. Thankfully, the state Supreme Court stepped up and, you know, moved this along. Because just to boil it down, I mean, the real injustice of the case is, and it's funny, I was literally going to write, I was going to do a podcast the other day, and my whole thing was going to be, uh, it was going to be two nights ago, and I was going to start with Meek Free McMill. I, want, I had a whole thing planned out. What I wanted to say, you know, I, I, I listened to a lot of quotes from, from his lawyer, Joe Takapino, um, all these things. I listened to, he, he has done recent interviews too as well, Meek Mill. And I had this whole thing, whole idea set up. And literally, I I sit down, I'm, I'm writing my notes. And I, I also said, like, you know what, like, because I figured he was going to be in June, in jail till at least June. So I was like, you know, I'm like, I'll show my support. And I found a cool Meek Mill, free Milk Mill shirt. And I was like, you know, I'm probably look ridiculous wearing it, but why not? Like, it's a cool shirt, and uh, I actually do feel strongly about a topic like that. Sure enough, uh, I literally I get through like two pages of like, you know, my my little template, just jotting down ideas. I do one last search through Twitter, make sure I didn't miss anything, and all that. And sure enough, Meek Mill's out of jail. <laughs> I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, you got to be kidding me, man. Um, I, it was a cool entrance. I hate Philly sports, but th- they did it nice. Flew him right to the game, got him dressed. You know, he uh, you know, rang the bell, whatever the fuck they do before the game. He did that, and, uh, you know, it was cool. And, you know, he, had, he met with his son. So, I mean, it was a really emotional night. It's like... I mean, he he got shafted, and you know we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's still basically the the original conviction, which claimed that he had drug and uh, gun possessions, 
and I don't know, like the the one judge, the one one cop said that he Meek Mill pointed the gun at him, which first of all he'd probably be dead if he point at two cops he pointed a gun he'd be dead. Secondly, um, in his mugshot photo you could see he's busted up. Clearly the cops you know got a few rainmakers in on him and whatever and so. He took the blame for something, and, and uh, people have said forever he didn't do anything. It, this was not him. I mean, look, maybe he carried a gun at times and, you know, and sold drugs. I don't think he would dispute that. But they're like, there's no way he was pointing a gun at two cops like that. He, what is he, like, stupid? Like, the, there was, there's never a chance he would have done that. And so uh, now... The cop who wrote the report, he turns out he's a dirty cop. And his partner flipped on him. And basically, there are like hundreds and hundreds of cases in Philly where uh, they, uh, you know, they're just uh, like going, you know, they're, they, they're, there's about a hundred, you know, a ton of uh, convictions in Philly because that cop was the sole uh, witness or, you know, sole person to take the stand on it. And, you know, his credibility is shot. And, you know, so you have this influx of people who are either out, due out, or, you know, in the process. And so Meek Mill, people thought he would be among that the first group out, especially, you know, especially he's doing probation, and uh, he wasn't. And the, the judge, who still tries to fuck with him, told him that, you know, you know, your next trial is June 1st. Like, just to mess with him. And then finally the Supreme Court stepped up. So he still has to go through her courtroom again, which is just a, an absurdity. I'm sure they're trying to work on that. But, uh, you know, he's got his freedom until that next court date. So it's something. It's not, it's not over yet, but... It's something, and and you know, I that is going to be a scene for that next court courthouse the courtroom. Oh, all right. What else? I'm trying to remember. I can't even friggin' see right now. Gotta give me one second here. I, I spilled water all over my paper. I guess on a on a lighter note, still political, but it just needs to be talked about. I I, I mentioned it for a moment on uh, on Facebook this week, and I, and I really hadn't talked that much on there lately. But I I, I had a feeling like it was going to happen, and still exceeded every one of my expectations. You know, because there's the whatever what's regarded as the Trump uh, Macron uh, bromance, basically at this point. And, um, you know, they, uh, <laughs> it's bizarre. Like, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, on the final day, Macron kind of went, you know, you know, kind of not 
betrayed him. He, he cheated on him a little bit. But the the first two days they were together, I mean, they would just keep like showing up at different parts of the White House, and you know, all then they were always holding hands, and then there would just be like these kisses on both cheeks, and then like another set of kisses on both cheeks, and bat pack bat back pats, and you know. Just like finally, just like whisking uh, Macron away, like by hand. I mean, it was getting to the point of like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this is like creepy. Like, <laughs> like I know they want to be kind of cool, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, if and you know what? I mean, I guess if that keeps the Iran nuclear deal on, all right. Well, I'll take it. But I mean, you know. Uh, I don't know. Is there any other way they could go about it? But um, yeah, it was getting really, really touchy feely. Uh, but I, I also really, you know, when Macron talked to uh, Congress, he, uh, you know, he made a reference to how much they had touched, been touchy feely, and then actually fired off a lot of disagreements with Trump, which I was surprised about. Like he, uh, uh, you know, he. he he did a lot of things uh, that, you know, especially talking about climate change and, and the, the Paris Accord and and all different kinds of things like that. So, I mean, it was uh, it was very interesting to see the dynamic between the two men and see, like, what agreements will come out of there and what potential disagreements will come out of there. Because, I mean, you know, it would be great. You know, if if Trump and Macron can can keep, can keep a great relationship, but you know they do have a lot of disagreements on several items, and uh, it doesn't seem like either is ready to budge on on them at the moment. And uh, you know, hopefully that doesn't lead to any friction or anything like that, because um, you know, I mean, and 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 France, you know, they they are taking a, they're trying to take a bigger part, even with things like Syria and being involved. So I mean. I don't know. I, I'd like to think there is some kind of common ground between all of this, but uh, who knows? I mean, I, I really, I really just, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I don't know. Um, I, I also just wanted to say to just uh, kind of a good news. Um, after that crazy shooting um, in. Um, in Nashville, left, uh, I believe, four people dead at, at a uh, Waffle House. Uh, police were able to capture, uh, via a, a tip from uh, a community member, uh, James Shaw Jr. And, oh, uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I got, they were able to make an arrest of the suspect uh, uh, because of a tip. However, when the gunman was firing um, into the, the the restaurant, uh, one man, uh, James Shaw Jr., and I mean, you talk about courage and just stepping up, and you know, uh, first of all, I mean, this guy, every interview do, he does is about you know him being humble and never, um, you know, he he never wants to, uh, you know, get notoriety from this or anything like that but you know this guy you know he made a, a decision and as soon as he saw the gun being reloaded he basically just went at the gunman tackled him and got the gun you know away from him and you know was able to wrestle away and 
stopping any further further shooting, and then the gunman ran away, and that's what, so he was on a little bit of a manhunt. The gunman, uh, you know, he went into wood wooded areas, and he was there for for I guess a little over a day, and um, you know, then then a tip um, locally was able to uh, was able to find the the suspect, and so it was a great team effort all around um the you know for, for them to lock that down but i mean te- you know scary and it sucks that anybody had to have gotten hurt it's something with something so senseless but um you know if that's how it's going to be i mean like to have a, a really heroic effort like that um this is awesome and then you know just great we work between the community and law enforcement to be able to you know kind of come up with an area and, and fan around there and, and, and pretty, and find him in a pretty relatively short time. So, uh, kudos to everybody. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, those are, doesn't always have to be terrible things. And, and look, the tragedy, um, is, uh, is definitely terrible, but you know, sometimes there's a, at least somewhat of a, better outcome and you know he, he could have killed so many more so it's it's something and that's the way you, you know sometimes you just got to look at it it's 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 just something um and uh you know and i was very happy to uh to, to read that um I'm trying to I'm, I'm, like it's it's so tricky you know because there's just so much so much political stuff going on um and I really don't didn't feel like talking about political stuff. Let's see if I have anything non-political that I did want to talk about. I mean, I could talk about the Mets. They're off to a fantastic start. <laughs> How does everybody feel? <laughs> no, I You know what? I don't even want to do that yet because every time I do something like that, I just like mush mush city. Uh, I, I I won't I won't won't go there yet. Not at all. Um, actually, you know. And on the heels of all the some of the political stuff, you know, I did I did want to bring up Sean Hannity, so it's very interesting. And and I know I've probably mentioned some things like this before, but like, and this is not why I feel the way I do about the current political alignments. Uh, my father is way into it, like way 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 into it, and um. But I can say with a thousand percent consistency and like authenticity, he never liked Donald Trump from the way Donald Trump screwed small business owners, which my dad was people. My dad knows personally who have been screwed by Donald Trump. Just saying like, oh, I'm paying 10 cents on the dollar, even though somebody did all this work and, you know, just enough things like that. And you know just how you know his bankruptcies and just you know he just do- it doesn't give a shit, and you know and then still bragging about how rich he is and it's just you know all of it. And then it's like you know, yeah, he's wealthy, but come on, he doesn't even build anything anymore. He's like he just licenses his name out. All right, that yeah, he makes some bucks, but that's not the same as building a building, you know, skyscraper and owning all the parts of it and all that. It's different. So. And that, so, uh, my dad passed away in March 24th. So he, it was still about 
seven, eight months before the election. And, um, yeah, so my dad, uh, I've probably told this before, but we had just gotten the news, you know, because we went, we were at Mass General Hospital and look, they, they throw the kitchen sink at it and he had, you know, cancer. It was getting worse and worse. And, but we were never told like, okay, he's got a week left. He's got two weeks left. He's got three weeks. We, they, I don't know, just that, like, they try every out, and basically, they try it until there's nothing left to try, (laughs) and that's how you kind of find out, and so my mom was up there with him, and all of the treatment, all of the radiation, all the shit he tried, just didn't, didn't take, so he had, um, about a week left, so... We got, I got that call at night. We did a group group uh, chat kind of thing on the phone. And my brother and I went up there. We packed them up. My sister did all, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law did everything down here. Get get everything ready, and we moved them back. And you know, had like kind of like a sitting wake pretty much for a few days. Got, you know, because he hadn't seen everybody. He was up in New Hampshire, his, his friends and, and whatnot. So, um, but you know, we didn't know how much time he had until that, like literally, like I, I had no clue. I was hoping to get it, get him to June. Like that was my goal, which I didn't even think it was that lofty, but apparently it was. So they, uh, you know, we, we, we do that. And, um, as, before we get up there, my mom's driving him home. And before he even breaks down and realizes what's going on here, because they were going to start him on hospice. <laughs> he he looked at my mom. And again, this is pre-Donald Trump being president. He's not even the GOP candidate yet. This is before even like the, the, the convention. Some of that, but he was, you know, the front runner. And my, my dad goes, oh, my God. He goes, thank God I won't have to live on this earth with that asshole as president. <laughs> I was like... And my mom's like, oh, stop. She's like, he's like, no. He goes, oh, he goes, that's the only bright spot in all of this. He goes, I don't have to hear that asshole anymore. And especially as president, thank God. And it was a very cryptic kind of line. And it was funny. And I'm, I remember sitting there, I'm like, well, at that point, I'm like, Donald Trump's not going to win. You know, he can't win. Of course he wins. So. I should have just followed my dad on that one, but it was just great because like, and that's the, we always joke around now, or it's like when you know, like a day where Trump is just everywhere, like it's just like my dad would lose his shit, like no doubt about it, like absolutely not. I mean, uh, so funny though. Yeah, it's uh. Crazy, crazy, crazy times, you know. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I, I one person I wanted to talk about was, uh, but, but speaking of my dad, I wanted to talk about Sean Hannity, another person my dad just did not care for. Um, so when that Michael Cohen raid came out and, and he was trying to withhold the names of his just, you know, handful of clients, um, 
uh, in court, and there was the one mystery one, and it was didn't seem like it was going to come out, and all of a sudden the judge made him say it. And it was just the, his judge just came out with saying Sean Hannity, uh, which took everybody by surprise because, you know, like, you know, they've known each other in the Trump worlds. Uh, Cohen's been on his show, and then, uh, you know, Hannity has claimed, like, you know, they're not, he's not like a real lawyer to him. He's helped him out with real estate deals, which ends up being like all these HUD deals and buying foreclosure houses and getting, you know, helping get to get, uh, you know, insurance uh, and lending and all, whatever, uh, for, through HUD. And, uh, He's claiming he doesn't know much about it. And I don't know, but I guess that's what uh, Cohen helped with. And I, I don't know. It, people are really starting to dig about it now. The Guardian did a did a big uh, reportive piece on it, and I'm sure you can expect more. But it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Um, I don't know. It's just – I'm just saying, like, look – he look maybe he ran the most above board <laughs> thing in the world, but it, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, like, uh, just the way these things like and the stories I've read, the way they all kind of go about, it's just, eh, I don't know. Uh, I I don't know what to trust anymore with these people. Uh, it's it's really you know uh, you got people like this and then you have people like Scott Pruitt um, and Ryan Zinke I mean please read about these two guys I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through the dissertation for you guys please read about them I mean it is that vital these two guys uh, uh, Scott Pruitt he may not last much longer but i'm sure he will just because trump's just doesn't care he runs the epa which the bedrock is uh clean water clean air yeah not so much at the moment um and uh, uh what's his name ryan zinke runs the secretary of the interior and um he has also been basically in the back pocket of uh you know big oil companies and just companies that could take advantage of that land and you know he's been privatizing some land and you know to his cronies and you know these industrialists and uh it's just i don't know they're just they're i just don't believe they're doing the job with um with it all, uh, you know, the the ethics and morals of, of this country behind them, you know, or even trying. And it's a real damn shame. Really. Uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's sad. It really is. And, uh, you know, I'm just hoping they will uh, eventually get theirs. You know, like, because... It's really, really, really remarkable. Like, it's, it's just, uh, ugh, just, I, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I get sickened by it.
you know, between that and then seeing people like like Bill Cosby, this is sickening too. I, I, I forget if I talked about him in the beginning. I'll, I'll talk to him about him for a minute here. You know, it's just maddening that, you know, like, like, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know, for people who support him, and look, the defensive attorneys aside, I understand they want a high-profile case. But I mean, people who support him, it's like, come on, he's got the same baseline on every single thing he does is the same maneuver, same way, same thing. I mean, you know, there's a there's a signature of how he does all this shit. So. You know, it's. I'm. I'm glad he. He. Uh, you know, he got his, and you know, well, I'm curious. I'm very curious of how they will treat jail because, you know, he's be he. You know, he's been able to escape jail for probably 40 years. He's been doing this shit for most of his, you know, adult life. You know, or like you know, like probably you know 40s till present day or whatever. Um. I, it's just it's sickening it's really really sickening i mean i, I just I, I can't believe it I, I really i just i cannot believe it it's uh it's it's really really something um and uh you know i just wanted to close on this um like i said i i, I have not read the james comey book yet and I know he's getting a lot of crap and uh, from both sides in many ways. But then, you know, I, I have found, you know, in the middle of it, you, you know, certain parts, he'll give you these answers. And I mean, like, look, maybe FBI job, you know, te technically wasn't the greatest job for him. I think he could have done it at a very high level. I think he was equipped to do it. I think he was smart enough to do it. Maybe, you know, the the political stuff, maybe, you know, he just didn't, you know, look, maybe Sublimini, he really wanted to get involved and make an, you know, make a grandstand. I don't know. And, you know, so I, I get the disdain from the Hillary people that he had, in, you know, introduce it, kind of chastise her, close it, and then reopen it right before the election. I, I get, I get why they're ticked off. And, you know, in Trump's case, it's like, you know, he got off lucky. He should, and that's why he should feel very fortunate because, uh, like, they were all, they were in the preliminary phases of it, but, uh, you know, they just didn't have enough to go on yet. So if he had another month or two to be looking at the Trump thing, maybe that would have been very different. But, you know, so I, I look, I, I have, I'm, I try to, myself in that situation and what you do and you know the Loretta Lynch things did not help in terms of the the Clinton stuff so he was in a very tough spot and uh you know I I, I respect that and I uh you know I I wish he would have been a little bit more forceful with Trump but I, I get it Trump's awkward he's still the president it's a tricky thing and, uh, you know, I feel like he just, like, you know, still kind of giving in to him without, but again, all things considered, I think, you know, he, he'd do what he had to do. And, you know, and that, again, that's on Trump for inviting him into rooms and then disinviting 
other members. Like, Trump knew what he was doing. Like, he was looking for loyalty. And it's just amazing. Like, you can't do that. Like, and he just doesn't care. He literally doesn't care. So, uh, you know, I just... I'm just saying, like, I, I would like to think that he's being honest, that he did clear this book with Bob Mueller and others and to, as to not step on the investigations. And I, and I think he, you know, I, you know I, I think he has character. And no matter what Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, which is she's just the worst, but he, uh, you know, he, he has... He, he has honor and integrity and like, you know, and again, even this day, I mean, like you see Trump even without Comey, like without Comey, he, you know, even whatever, I guess he was talking about it from last night. Like he, he can't not bring it up. And it's like, if you, if you had nothing to do with this Russia dossier, no collusion, and this thing is just a dead, stupid thing. Why do you keep bringing it up? Why? Tell me that why. Exactly. So something's not right. And I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, we're keep, we'll keep waiting it out. But, uh, you know, in my experiences, especially the last few weeks, Fridays have tended to have some shit pop off. So uh, absolutely stay, stay tuned for that. And uh, <clears throat> we'll see if uh, another podcast is, is uh, warranted. For tomorrow, I mean, unless, of course, Giants get two more guys I'm really, really into. But we'll say three guys. Uh, they have three picks tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, anyways, I just wanted to wanted to fire one of these off and talk a little football, talk a little politics, and uh, Hakuna Matata. All right. But, uh, and uh, I'll keep you guys posted on the progress of the upstairs uh, space, which I'm still working on a name for. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. I thank my, uh, my nephew and my niece for, for letting me put their stuff in here. And, uh, yeah, that's about it for today, guys. Have a, uh, well, I guess they have a great weekend. Cause I, I'm, I will do one more before the weekend's out, but have a good weekend until then. And, uh, I will talk to you soon right here on the Maddie Faz podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Matty Fast Podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit prettyfuzzy.com. Hit Matt up on Facebook and on Twitter at Matt Fazzlepore. If you like today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.